welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Okay, we're ready for part two of the stress discussion and how you can best help yourself when it comes to managing those feelings of stress and pressure. So first, I want to touch on recognizing when stress is becoming too much. And I conceptualize this in my very psyche world of an outcome. It's the way we feel. So we all, as I mentioned in part one of this stress discussion, we can all face similar things. And then we have our coping resources and the ways we look at the world. And that impacts on actually whether or not the stress we the stressor or demand we face that drain on our bucket whether it actually becomes a problem for us and that is what's really important we want to stop that pressure from turning into what we understand as serious stress or burnout or overwhelm that's that's what we want to stop And so how do you recognize if you're starting to feel burnt up? I'm sure many of you just kind of know in your own heart when it's starting to feel like too much. And it's, again, how long you carry that weight for is also a massive part. And whether or not you feel like it turns into that feeling of overwhelm and kind of depression, When it's too much, you can start to experience physical symptoms. Often people experience headaches, muscle aches, tension um, in their body. And that's certainly a physical sign of stress. Also upset stomachs uh, can also be a sign of stress. There's also that real lack of motivation or focus, that kind of fuzzy head feeling like nothing's really clear and you can't keep a clear strain of thought, if you like, or that your mind just feels like it's rushing, that worry that that tends to happen when people get stressed that often feels like anxiety or is anxiety, sorry, I shouldn't say feels like, when stress really does turn into anxiety and that feeling of I can't face my day. I don't want to get up and do this all over again. Those are signs that you really are burning out and that the levels of stress need to be, your levels of stress need to be looked at. When I say changes in your motivation too, and uh, if you're familiar with depression, high levels of stress, there's a lot of uh, the similar behaviors and one of them around that lack of motivation is lack of self-care and so that's why I often say even more so how important that self-care is because it's one of the things that really does 
help us maintain that level of control around our well-being and really if you're trying to put a plan in place to make sure you don't get into this point of overwhelm and stressed out burnout feel that's why self-care is so important because it's also one of the first things we think we don't have time for when we start to really get under pressure and we often give it up and we often get to the point where we may not be showering as much as we did or we may not be cleaning up as frequently and our house is a mess and we're not brushing our teeth. And those things in and of themselves, like don't get me wrong, I can, rem- I can remember going to my, um, my hygienist when I was pregnant and this was with my first child and she said, do you floss? And I said, yeah, I floss daily. And um, she said, oh, well, you're about to be a mum. That may not be so realistic anymore. And I thought, what is she talking about? Like, come on, you can still floss your teeth. And she'd had twins. And now I get her because sometimes when you're exhausted from mummydom or parenting in general, you just, I, I fall into bed at the end of my days. And so I'm not saying that if you don't brush your teeth twice a day that you are depressed or um, starting to get stressed or burnt out. But if it's out of your ordinary and you know that it's a sign of, of you not taking the same level of care of yourself, then it's something to consider. The other one can be around sleeping. Um, Often when you get really stressed, it can be right when you need to sleep the most, it can feel hard to sleep. And that's often associated with the worry and the thoughts that are going through around how you're going to do it again tomorrow or other pressures that that are coming on. So you may not be sleeping well either. So those are perhaps more of some of the things you may be able to tell from the outside but I think the measures that come from the inside are so important and not to be overlooked and that is those feelings of how satisfied or how happy you feel and if you stop to check in with yourself and you can say I'm not happy I'm stressed then you are you are stressed. There is something feeling out of whack. And if you're not feeling confident, if you're starting to feel down on yourself, if you're starting to feel blah, and you know that the pressure is getting to you, then I think that's a call for you to evaluate where you're at in life and what might need to change. And so I just want to touch on that point about what I believe stress is and it's not something I discussed in part one and this is perhaps not so much from the textbooks and more around my belief systems and what I have seen in other people but stress to me is always an indication from our bodies and our minds that something is out of whack we feel stressed when the balance is off and our body's warning us that it's not working. It is a mechanism for us to wake up and say, why do I feel miserable and what needs to change? And as I mentioned in that first podcast, especially when you're living with chronic stress and you do have demands that can't change, like 
being a stay-at-home mother, your demands can't change. You've got to be there for your children. That is not the part of the the process that you can change. You can't suddenly reduce your workload and be a mum half the time. You have to be there all the time. So that's not the part you can change in the process to how you feel. But there are other parts that you can influence in the process. And you do have some power to change other things. And so I don't want people to ever think that they're powerless to improving how they feel, even if the pressure itself can't be removed. So I mentioned a whole heap of ideas around how you can do that and touched on them, I should say, in the first podcast. But now I'm going to launch into some questions that came out of the Here to Thrive Facebook group. And I feel like by discussing those questions in depth, it will give more of a holistic answer around how you can really make changes in your own life when it comes to stress. Okay, so I'm just going to read some of these questions. Bear with me a second. The first question was, okay, so the first question I'm going to address was, I feel really stressed when people try to monopolize my life and time. That really gets me going. It's like no matter how much or how often I say no, they still try to worm their needs and wants into my agenda. I like to help people, but my boundaries are constantly being tested. How do I deal with this without seeming mean or uncaring? I absolutely get this one. It's that people keep putting more and more expectations on you because they know that you're the person that can help them out that can do what they need. I was a, I I call myself a recovering people pleaser. I used to be the person that put everybody else's needs ahead of my own. And don't get me wrong, I'm still not perfect on this. I still have the tendency to give more than I have to offer. And it's something that I've been learning over the years, but I'm much, much better. And I, I very rarely overcommit myself these days. And that's what I think this comes down to. And you mentioned um, in the question that even when you say no, people still keep pushing. And what I would really encourage you to do is just keep being clear around how much you have to give and be clear around what your priorities are. Are and that your well-being is one of your priorities. And that's the crucial part here is putting yourself and how you feel on your priority list. Because my guess is that you're probably a little bit prone to people pleasing like I was and wanting to keep everybody else happy. But it's a mindset shift to recognize that you will actually be able to give everybody else more If you look after yourself, right up there on your list, first, put yourself first. Because if you put yourself and your needs and what you need to feel full and alive and your spirit revived, then you'll have more to give. And I know that just sounds idealistic. And it really is something that you have to start trying and practicing and being committed to. And if boundaries are an issue, uh, I would 
absolutely encourage you to go back and listen to Jen's podcast in episode number five about how to lovingly apply boundaries because Jen really talks about it's not about being harsh and no and I can't do that, especially if you're changing the boundary lines with people that you've been in relationships with for many years. You have to be, like she said, softer in your application of them and recognize that this is a process. But I would encourage you to put your well-being on the list and to really prioritize that and keep focused on it. So really keep focused on it. And I would hope that you start to feel more confident around protecting your needs the more you recognize how important that is. I know that's certainly been the case for me over the years. Uh, the more I've kept it front of mind and decided it is important to me and something that I really value, the easier I've found it to start having to have those discussions where I say, I'm not really willing to do that. And I'm now feeling like I'm saying yes out of obligation. And that is the part that's really important to me. Is And I've, I've written a post about this, actually. I'll make sure I reference it in uh, the notes for this episode. But the honest yes, I now really check and make sure that I'm not doing anything that I feel really bad about or agreeing to things that I don't want to do because I know that when I do them, I'm showing up with half my energy. And to be honest, the other half is probably incredibly tainted and a bit pissy about it. So I'm not my best self. It's not showing up and being the best version of myself when I'm doing things out of obligation. And so I do check with myself now before I commit to things. And I say to myself, if I say yes to this, will I be being honest? Do I really want to do this? And most of the time, I'm not perfect. Most of the time, I now will be comfortable saying, I'm not sure I can do that. Or sorry, that's not going to work for me on that day, or I'm not the person to help you out because I'm not going to be as committed as you need someone to be. And I've found the power in honesty. And I'm very conscious about how that comes across. And I don't like to offend people, but at the same time, I am my priority, especially when it comes to people that I may not have a very personal relationship with. And I'm worried about upsetting their feelings when realistically, I should be more worried about having to live with my level of stress. And so just something to keep in mind if you're prone to people pleasing. So the second question I wanted to mention was also in the group and it reads, currently I'm stressed about finding and knowing what my true passion is. I'm practicing yoga and meditation to help me go inward but I still feel uneasy and my body is telling me so. How do I control my stress and how do I alleviate it within seconds? So good. Such a good question. So I just want to mention uh, the bit about finding and knowing your true passion. And there's a wonderful clip that Elizabeth Gilbert put together and she's the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. It's um, a talk she did that was filmed for, I think it was Super Soul Sunday. And again, I'll find a link for that that I'll put in the notes. 
and it was called Flight of the Hummingbird. And in this whole piece, she talks about the disservice she had done to people when she said, you've got to go out and find your passion and chase it. And how she recognizes that most people don't have a burning passion that's immediately obvious to them. And they find their paths in life through being curious. And I just want to leave that thought with you in that rather than putting the pressure on yourself to find your passion, I would encourage you to take a step back and embrace being curious. And by being curious, I mean trying new things that just make you a little bit intrigued. It might be a cooking class. It might be taking a painting class. But stepping out and going, I'm a little bit intrigued to know more about that. Not necessarily I think that might be my passion, but just about really engaging with life and trying things. And so do watch The Flight of the Hummingbird. But the other thing I want to talk about is my own story and how if you read on my website, my about page, I didn't always know I was going to end up here with my own business loving what I'm doing in terms of talking with people, providing you guys with content, and I hope inspiring and motivating you, as well as coaching, which is just amazing, and getting to work one-on-one with beautiful people and helping them live up into their potential. I just love it. But I didn't set out to necessarily be here. It wasn't like I was at 18 years old with this goal in mind. In fact, I don't think I could have even dreamed this up if I'd tried. But what I do look back at now, sorry, and what I wanted to say about my about page was, you'll read on my about page that all through my 20s, I had this underlying feeling like I was missing a puzzle piece is how I describe it. Like there was, everything looked great, but there was still a part missing. And I just didn't know what it was. And thankfully, I didn't get myself too worried about it because I was just kind of busy living my life. But I always knew it was there. Like there was always this feeling of there has to be more. There's got to be more that, more to this. Like, um, and it's very hard to put into words. But if you if ever felt that or you do feel that, I I know you'll know what I mean. And so I had that kind of underground feeling all through my twenties. And now I'm 34 now, so now I can look back and it's exactly like Steve Jobs' very famous quote says, that you can't connect the dots looking forward, you can only connect them looking back. So now I look back at my history and the things I did and the jobs I took and can recognize that every single part of my development in my 20s, every single thing I did helped me create what I have today, which is a very amazing and full circle moment. But I would say if you can't yet connect your dots, trust that you're in the process of creating them. So trust that you are right where you are supposed to be. Be curious 
and recognize that you can only connect the dots looking back. So I hope that gives you some sense of comfort. The other thing I would say is you're doing the right things with the yoga and the meditation in terms of the journey inward. And I would absolutely encourage you to keep that up. If you, you're the type of person that I would highly encourage to look at some level of coaching to work with someone else to help pull apart some of those ideas as well. Um, so that's certainly something to maybe consider. But above all else, trust yourself and trust where you are on your journey, even if you don't feel like you have all the answers yet. Because what I will say is I'm a control freak, so I like answers. And when I don't have them, I feel frustrated. So trust. So in terms of alleviating the pressure, your part, the second part of your question was, how do I control my stress and how can I alleviate it within seconds? And so I call this type of stress that you're talking about, how do I alleviate these feelings I have in my body within seconds? I call this acute stress. So it's very different to that chronic stress that builds up slowly, slowly, slowly. It's more of a, a feeling, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's more of a feeling of anxiety and overwhelm and a little bit of panic, really, when your body starts to feel uneasy and often you've got, um, you can have adrenaline and cortisol running through. So uh, the stress, flight or fight emotions can be going through your body. And breathing is the best way to alleviate this in the moment. And I mean, stop. Give yourself 60 seconds and take really big belly breaths. And I mean big ones. So and I often add to that kind of like a mini meditation. I will close my eyes and imagine breathing in calm and breathing out stress, or breathing in light, and breathing out anxiety, whatever it might be for you. But if you imagine deep breath in, breathing in calm, deep breath out, breathing out stress, and give yourself the space to do that when you're feeling really overwhelmed or in acute moments, it can really just help bring you back to center. I'd also encourage you to get fresh air and I encourage people that I'm working with who are really uh, in difficult situations to recognize the moments when they're starting to get overwhelmed and change the story. So if you're working on something that's stressing you out, take a break, go outside and walk, even if it's only for five minutes, but again, go outside, get that breath of fresh air, quite literally, and restart. Because if we keep going when our mind's getting panicky or more worked up, we just get more of that. And so you have to break the mind cycle. You have to change the story. You have to change the channel. And by taking a break, you give yourself the ability to do that. And if you're in a corporate office, go and make yourself a cup of tea go to the bathroom if nothing else, but take the break. Okay. So it is crucial when you're starting to feel that sense of overwhelm or panic um, and those emotions flowing in your body. 
Finally, my other piece of advice would be for relieving big emotions and big levels of pressure as they're going through us uh, is to write because often we can't pinpoint what is stressing us out or what is causing us the problem. And we kind of get worked up in the worry when sometimes writing things down, it kind of allows the mind jumble to clear and it can help us recognize what's actually causing us that level of discontent or worry. And it's not always perfect, but if you're feeling high levels of pressure, I would encourage you to journal every night and just let the emotion out rather than let it stir in your mind and um, and and really create like a mental storm. We all need outlets and one way to get the emotion out and those feelings of stress and worry out is to express them. And there's no better place to express them and on a piece of paper for me. So it's one way to, to relieve that kind of pressure. Okay, so the third question reads, I'm stressed with my life at the moment. I'm working three jobs just to keep afloat. And right now I barely have anything to eat when I get home from a long day at work. I want to relax and I have no idea how. Okay, so this sounds to me like it's building up into a situation of more chronic stress where your lifestyle is starting to feel like it's causing too much pressure. And so I know things can't change overnight um, and that's really unrealistic to think that everything is going to change. And so I would encourage you to use some of the more short-term coping solutions in the interim around breathing, journaling, um, meditation, gratitude, all of those types of things to keep you going in the interim. But in all honesty, it sounds to me like you need to look at how you can start making changes in your lifestyle that are going to be more sustainable to your well-being. And I, I know that sounds easier said than done. And I know it's really even worse when you're feeling overwhelmed to be told that you need to change things. And if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, if this is a short-term thing where you can see that the pressure is going to come off in the future because something's going to get easier uh, with what's going on at the moment, then it's about that short-term coping and really upping your coping strategies and focusing your energy into that self-care and being really honest with yourself about what you can do to make yourself feel better and you're your own best expert on that in terms of your sleep routines I would be really encouraging you to make sure you're going to sleep at the same time every night and waking up in the same time every morning and just doing the basic self-care stuff making sure you're getting up and feeling good about yourself in the morning getting through the day relying on friends and family if you're feeling overwhelmed so that you can express yourself and share that emotion. But yeah, really looking at creating sustainable lifestyles. And that goes for everyone because we're not supposed to be running like hamsters on a rabbit wheel. And I know that it sounds very easy for me to sit here and say this when you've got bills to pay and responsibilities to meet. And that's it. I'm, I'm saying this is a long-term solution. But again, it's about having an intentional life and recognizing what you value and what's important to you and how, how you can make changes 
to reach towards those things. And they may be tiny changes, but if you have a goal in mind, and for example, you want more balance, then if you really make that a goal, then you start to take the baby steps towards it. It's if you don't recognize that it's a goal, that we often just drift along, not changing our lives. So I believe there's great power in in making goals. Another question was around stress and worry and if they're the same thing. And I love this. It reads, I'm spending way too much time worrying about things and not sleeping properly because of it. I worry about work. I worry about relationships, money, and particularly my lack of self-belief. I think I overthink way too much. So what I would say around this is worry is a symptom of stress for sure. It is definitely a symptom and it can create stress. And in many of the ways I think that the coping mechanisms I've discussed can certainly help minimize some of the worry. And again, it's about being really honest with yourself and saying worry is only so good. What matters is what you're going to do about it. So I would really encourage you to move yourself into action mode and not get caught in just the worrying because you're talking about, and it's a, it's that sense of control. It's about feeling like you're more in control of things. So you mentioned that you're worried about your lack of self-worth. I would encourage you to say, well, what can you do about that? Rather than being more and more worried about it, how can you show yourself more self-compassion? How can you start to develop your self-belief? What are the things you can do to really look after yourself and grow your self-belief rather than worrying or stressing about it? Again, I think um, when I said some of the coping mechanisms I've already mentioned, walking, fresh air, self-care, exercise, especially if you've got a busy mind. Oh my, my, exercise does wonders if you've got a busy mind. So all of those things, I would encourage you to to try out or work out which ones work for you and try and make them part of your daily routine. So I'm thinking I must be up to about the fifth question now. And um, there are a couple of questions that I've had recently that were very much about coping with young children and the stress that comes with that. And I certainly mentioned in my story about how I was naive enough to kind of go into motherhood and I was a stay-at-home mom, not really thinking for some reason. And I put it now down to the fact that I'd always worked in corporate and that was the stress I had been exposed to as I studied. So I didn't really think that I would get burnt out if I was at home. I thought, this is what I've been wanting to do. I've been wanting to be at home with my children. It looks amazing to be a mother. You know, everybody talks about how grateful they are to have children and how they're the best things that, you know, ever happened to them. And and I kind of almost went into a little bit of shock when I had my second child, realized that it wasn't all as perky as perhaps I had made it out to be in my head or had believed and how 
my children had come with their own personalities, which really shocked me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Before I was a mother, I was like, my kids will be perfectly well behaved. They will have manners. They will eat the right foods until they don't eat, and they you recognize that they don't do everything that you say. That's yeah. If you haven't got kids yet, um, just be prepared. They come with their own personalities, and then they interact with yours, which is really fun. So I feel like I want to address that in yet another podcast. Uh, getting really specific about parenting and dealing with the kind of thankful sorry the thanklessness of being a stay-at-home parent and how tough that can be and the lack of acknowledgement that goes around around that but there's one so I will I will address uh the motherhood and parenting and particular coping mechanisms around how to deal with that Unusual pressure, like I said, where you you have no control whatsoever over the amount of pressure coming in and the only parts of the process you can affect is how you cope and look after yourself and perceive that pressure. So that deserves more of my attention. But one final question that I wanted to talk about in this podcast was around the pressure coming from multitasking. And the final question reads, Having to multitask does my head in and makes me feel so stressed. And she goes on to talk about all of the things that she's trying to work at the moment and and have the pressure to complete while still answering urgent phone calls, emails and the like and wishing there were more hours in the day. And the question here is, how do I create space to think and complete tasks? So this for me, if I'm right, it sounds like more of an executive situation. And when I say executive, I mean a corporate career situation. And I'm also an executive coach. That's my background. And so this is the advice I would be giving and have given my executive coaching clients when it comes to things like this. And what I would say is when the deadlines are there and there is urgent phone calls you're saying and emails and you're saying there's also pressure at home here with taking care of loved ones first and foremost it is about planning your day so I have a um a four-part planning process that I use and again I'll put the um the post link it's it's on my website but I'll put the post link in the show notes here about how every morning I sit down and plan my day to recognize where my energy most needs to go. Because what I'm hearing is you've got too much stuff coming in and you can't do it all well. And the problem is when you start getting stressed and overwhelmed when it comes to workload and work pressure, like I said, you end up becoming fuzzy. So the project you are trying to get done feels like you're never giving your best to it anyway. And so what I would encourage you to do is look for chunks of time that you can dedicate to this project and getting it done. And I really encourage you to be protective around your time. And when you say urgent emails, urgent phone calls, I challenge you, and I know this sounds really mean, and I do this to my executive coaching clients, but how urgent? Can someone else respond to an email and say, she will be back to you in two hours? Or can someone else take a phone call and say, she will come back to you in two hours? Or can they help out? Can they address the question? Because 
If you're anything like me, I have, um, and you may not be, don't take this the wrong way, but often a lot of us have a tendency to feel like, especially when the pressure is on, that we're the only ones that can do things. And I'm very self-sufficient in the way I work. So I'm not very good at relying on other people to help me out. But when the pressure is really on is when you have to rely on other people or dare I say it, turn on an out of office that says, I am not checking my emails today. If you have an urgent question or issue, please ring the office or please ring this person. And then people will truly only come through to you with the things that are massively urgent. And to follow up with that, then you have to literally shut down your email and turn off your phone. And I know that can feel like... (laughs) relinquishing control but it's often what needs to be done and if it is the phone's ringing at your desk I would encourage you and I don't know how much flexibility you have with your work but taking a laptop and going and finding an office and shutting the door for two hours staying at home and working late for a little bit of time those are the kind of solutions I'd really be encouraging you to look at when you're feeling like the multitasking is going crazy because truth We're not made to multitask. Our brains don't work that way. I read something recently that said for every uh, email or interruption you get in a project, it takes your mind 20 minutes to recover. 20 minutes. And I will have to double check where I found that. But um, I believe it just through personal experience. I know that when I've been working on a task or writing a proposal or writing up a big document and then I get an email, And my mindset's gone. I'm like, where was I? What was I doing? So the power in turning off that email for a little bit, I I can't even tell you how important that can be. Um, Or getting onto a computer that doesn't have your email is the other option. And people can wait. We've got into this idea and mindset that everything needs to be addressed the moment we get it. But it's um, people, people can wait, especially if they know you're not available. Like if they get a response back or... Uh, if they're told to go to someone else, if it's incredibly urgent, then they know where they stand. So yeah, multitasking, try and avoid it. Try your best to avoid it. And when the pressure is on, look for ways that you can control your work environment and situation so that you can support your productivity. That would be my summary around there. Oh my, my, these podcasts have been so much longer than I intended. I have so much to say about stress as you can tell. But so um, some of the key points that I really just want to summarize out of this one, in the short term, to alleviate the really acute feeling stress, that stress that pulses through your body and feels overwhelming, please remove yourself from the situation, change the scene. If you're working on a project, walk out of your office, go and make a cup of tea, get a breath of fresh air, change what you're working on, change your mindset, change your focus. Uh, The other part around that acute stress is take the really big deep breaths, do belly breathing as I call it, and breathe in calm, breathe out stress. And take 10 to 15 of those, do that for a minute and you will feel so much better because it helps your body move through that panic. Uh, So that would be my advice around the acute stress. The boundaries, 
It's about prioritizing your well-being and putting your health and how you feel at least as important in everybody as everybody else's needs. And like I said, I, I totally believe in putting it at the top of your to-do list. And so it means that feeling of less guilt and changing your mindset around saying no to things because you recognize that giving a half-hearted effort of yourself is certainly not fair to you and it's also not fair to other people. And like I said, listen to the boundaries episode that's number five in this podcast, but it's also about learning to apply your boundaries lovingly and being kind with yourself and other people as they get used to you changing your priorities around a little bit and being more protective of your time. Also, when it feels like your lifestyle is unsustainable, that is the time where it's time to look at what you can change and how. And like I said, that may not be an immediate change, but it's about setting goals and recognizing how you want things to be different and how you want things to be more sustainable so that you can start taking the baby steps towards them. So if you have multiple jobs, looking at ways in which you might be able to make your cost of living lower or increase your income or whatever it might be. But starting to brainstorm solutions rather than just feeling blown around by life. Again, it's about putting yourself in that feeling of control. And I know that can feel so overwhelming when you're in the midst of all of that pressure, but I really encourage you to in that pressure, try and work with those acute coping mechanisms before you go on to looking at how to make a more sustainable lifestyle. And we should all be focused on that. We weren't made to feel stressed and worried and panicked all the time. And and modern life is crazy. And there are so many expectations around our time these days. And, and so that's why it comes back to you needing to be really centered and accountable for how you use your time and energy because it's how you use your time and energy that is going to impact how stressed you feel. I'm sure I have not been able to address everybody's ideas and thoughts in that piece. If you have questions, um, jump over to my website, www.thrive.how. You'll see um, some of my coaching offerings around overcoming overwhelm and how to work through it, as well as my email addresses if you want to reach out. So um, yeah, that is stress. It's uh, stressful for sure. And I hope some of this information can help you feel a little touch more empowered when it comes to managing your own stress and well-being. And being more aware of, of how you get to a point of feeling stressed and what you can do to make a difference in your own life. You'll find the resources that I mentioned in this podcast in the articles. If you jump over to my website and go to www.thrive.how forward slash podcast seven. And that is the word podcast and the number seven. Thanks for listening to Here to Thrive. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you could go into iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. I'll be back again next week with more tips on how to live a happier life. See you then.